Thanks for listening to The Awakening Podcast. We hope this message inspires and encourages you today. I think God is going to speak to you today, and it's on a subject that I think will be relevant to you because it's an, it's, a, it's an area that we are all going to walk through. It's something that God is going to bring every person through. Maybe some of you are in this area right now and, um, and, and walking through this uh, kind of aspect of the Christian life today, and I believe that God will walk with you through it. I'm speaking about the wilderness, and today I want to speak to you about Jesus, the Word in the wilderness. Our goal every Sunday is to look at the life of Jesus Christ and to discern how to live our lives. And so today I want to look at this area of Jesus at the beginning of his ministry. If you turn your Bibles to Luke chapter 4, we will read one verse together and use that as kind of our our jumping off point. Luke chapter 4, verse 1. This is the very beginning of the ministry of Jesus. He had just been baptized by John the Baptist. The heavens opened. God's Spirit descended and rested on him like a dove. He said, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. I give you that context so you know he is just coming from a high. He's just coming from a powerful moment, a God experience. And this is the very next step where we see Jesus step into Luke chapter 4, verse 1. The Bible says this, Then Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. It's a short verse, so we can read it again. Then Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan, and and catch this part, and was led by the Spirit into where? The wilderness, the wilderness. I want you to know this truth today, that God will walk you into the wilderness in seasons of your life where there is only his word to rely on. I hope this gives us a perspective shift on what's happening when we find ourselves in wilderness times, seasons, areas of our lives, that sometimes it's not the enemy. Sometimes it's not karma. Sometimes it's not consequence. Sometimes it's not God being angry at you. But actually maybe the Spirit leading you into the wilderness. Why? So that God can give you a greater reliance on the Word of God. And my hope is that we would become Word-oriented people, not world-oriented people. That we would cling to the Word of God through the trials, the tribulations, the difficulties, and the tests of life. That we wouldn't look outward, we would look upward. That we wouldn't look to others, we would look to only one. That the Word would become our rock through the difficult times, the storms, and the deserts. Jesus is the Word in the wilderness. Can you say amen? Come on, let's pray together. Lord, right now, we ask for you to speak, God. And I even pray for a real revelation to come in areas of people's lives that maybe they've been praying or hoping, and maybe they're even here today, God, because they need a word from you. I thank you that you will be faithful, that they will not leave this place without you speaking directly to them. I thank you, God, that it won't be me speaking, but you speaking, Lord. Let your spirit and let your word come through these words. And God, I pray that you give us a new perspective, even on this area of our Christian faith, what it is 
is to walk in the wilderness with you. In the mighty name of Jesus. Come on, all God's people said, amen. 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 When I speak about the wilderness, you know, obviously I... I speak of it in spiritual terms, in conceptual terms, a bit abstract. So I think we should start by saying, what is the wilderness? What do I mean, and what does the Bible mean when it talks about the wilderness? Because we know the Bible is, is a, it's a story happening on two planes. There's the physical plane with the spiritual ramification. And God always uses the physical to reveal the spiritual. But the physical is not what matters. It's the spiritual that matters. It's the spiritual that's eternal. It's the spiritual that's the, the, the true message that God is trying to reveal. And so, so we, when we see Jesus walking into the wilderness, we have to say, well, what does that mean? What does that represent? What is the wilderness? Specifically here, Jesus is walking into the Judean wilderness. This is literally the lowest point on planet Earth. It's where the Dead Sea is located. When we took our trip to Israel, all the group wanted to go see was the Dead Sea. I couldn't figure out why. To me, it was the last place I wanted to go. If I could, I wouldn't even have put it on the itinerary. But it's all they asked for. When I would take a poll, it was Dead Sea. And Pastor David and I were saying, why? What is it? Pastor David solved it. It was the skincare regiment. <laughs> you know those lotions they try and get you to buy in the mall from the Dead Sea? That's what everybody wanted was the lotions, the muds, the floating. And I was trying to like let everyone know, like, it's just one time. You know, it's not like you're going to come out 20 years younger. It's not the fountain of youth, you know? The Dead Sea is located at the bottom of the Judean wilderness. And why it's called the Dead Sea is absolutely nothing lives there. It's filled with minerals, with sulfur and deposits and all of that because all that is there is salt and, and, and dirt. It, there's absolutely nothing in the Judean wilderness. It is dry. It is arid. It is dead. And this is where Jesus is led by the Spirit into. Out of the Jordan River, well, the Jordan River represents life. Of course, it represents transition. The Jordan River is green. It, it, it's, 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 um, it's the main sort, water source for the, the Sea of Galilee. It's, isn't it interesting, this juxtaposition of coming up out of the water, and you would think, wow, out of this great moment, now Jesus is going to walk right into the temple and just declare himself God. And yet, hold on, it's the opposite of that. God walks him from the highest point to the lowest point. In fact, the, the, the journey from Galilee down to Jordan is one of continual descent until you reach literally rock bottom here in the wilderness. And, and my question for you to, today is, have you ever found yourself in a wilderness? A season of your life that was a wilderness season. Have you ever felt like you were wandering like the people of Israel? Maybe four 40 years around an area of your life, wandering in a wilderness, seemingly can't get breakthrough, can't find direction, can't get progress, can't move on. You feel like you're stuck in a loop, wandering in a wilderness. For some of you, it's, it's a season. For some, you might have a wilderness area of your life. Like, like you're, you're, you're fruitful and multiplying in some areas, but maybe in this area, maybe it's your finances or maybe it's your relationships. Maybe it's even a spiritual moment where you feel like, like 
are my prayers even being answered? Is, is, is God even hearing me? Because you feel like all of a sudden you went from a Jordan River experience to, am I in the wilderness? Where is God? Where is life? Where's, where, what's happening? Have you ever found yourself in a wilderness moment in your life? Have you ever found yourself not understanding how you even got here or, or even what this even is? That's the most difficult part of the wilderness. You don't know why you're there and you don't quite know what to do to get out of there. And, 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 and you, can, you can get stuck in the wilderness. And, and the problem, I think, right away is that, is that uh, well, we think, well, of course, the wilderness is difficult, it's hard, it's dry, it's dead, therefore, it's bad, therefore, it's from the devil, they're from, they're, because it's difficult, right, it must be from the devil, because, because it's lifeless, that it can't be from God, the problem is, the Bible says that Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, well, this is a contradiction. This is a contradiction from our expectations of, of the Holy Spirit. You know, just, just our Christian mind, our collective Christian mind, we think when the Spirit leads you, it's, it's easy. It's, it's a flow. It's the oil. It's honey. It's good. Our, our Christian mind is that like when the Spirit leads, it's comfortable. It's, it's, it's easy. The Spirit leads Jesus, hold on, hold on, into the wilderness? No, 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 no. I thought the Spirit leads me into the palace, you know? I thought the Spirit leads me into dominion, into, into authority. How, how does this work? I think that's part of the problem, that we don't understand that walking with God for a period of time will, will inevitably lead you into a wilderness season. It's true. And you have to be careful you have to be careful that you don't measure your connection with God. You, you have to be careful that you don't measure um, your relationship with God. You have to be careful that you don't measure, um, let me say, the spirit by ease or comfort. Because a lot of times we as Christians will do that. We'll say, I know it was God because the door was open. I know it was God because it was easy. You know, I know it was God because it was simple. Things just came together. And I'm not saying that's not God. I think many times it is, and that's good. But you know, there are some times where God's going to lead you to a door that's closed. And, and what does he say? He says, hey, ask, seek, knock. And if that doesn't work, bash the door open. There's going to be times where God leads you through difficulty. Yea, though I walk through the valley. There's going to be times where God leads you into the wilderness, out of Egypt, towards the promised land, but in the process. Well, that's the wilderness. And, and if you think that that is um, wrong, you're gonna have a difficult time with your Christian faith. If every time something is tough, difficult, maybe we even use the words bad, if every time you think that, if you think that's the devil, you're gonna have a difficult time being led by God. Because God doesn't just lead you into munchkin land. Sunshine and rainbows. God will lead you through some very difficult things. He'll sometimes even lead you, certainly he'll lead you through difficult things, but sometimes he'll even lead you into difficult things. Led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Why? Because in the wilderness you're tested, you're tried, 
you're formed, you're measured. And so we have to be very, very careful to not have this mentality, this measurement mentality that uh, if it's God, it's easy. Or if it's not easy, it's not God. Or if it's difficult, it's the devil. We have to be careful to not have that mentality because we might miss what God is doing in the midst of difficulty. So what do you do when the Holy Spirit leads you into a wilderness? I don't think it's wise to just pray to get out of the wilderness. I don't think it's wise to just reject it and say, like, I I don't receive this. I don't think it's wise, I guess what I'm saying, is to fight God every step of the way. If he's leading you into it, it's for a reason. It's for your betterment. And, you are, and he will not leave you to die alone in the wilderness. If he leads you into it, he's going to lead you through it. Amen? And so some of you might be in a wilderness season right now. Maybe you're coming out of one. Maybe you're entering into it. It's a season of lack. Maybe you're experiencing lack, arid desert in your finances. And you just can't seem to have enough flow in versus flow out. Or maybe you have a lack of opportunity. Maybe there's a lack of, of friendship. Maybe, maybe there's a lack of a certain relationship in your life and you're, you're walking through the wilderness of grief. Maybe you feel like the well has gone dry or the fruitfulness of your life is dying on the vine. Here's what you must know. Everyone must go through the wilderness. There's no way around it. There's no avoiding it. Everyone must go through it. And God will bring you through it. And you will not be alone as you walk through it. You know, I think about how David had a revelation of God. And he had a revelation of courage, but only in the valley. Like, it's not until you go into the valley of the shadow of death that you realize you're with me. You're with me. I think on the mountaintops, maybe you feel like God's with me, but sometimes the mountaintops will lead you to say, I did this. But it's in the valley you look around and you say, am I alone in this? No, no, you're with me. I rod and I staff, they comfort me. God, you're, you're, you're with me. You're going to keep me. You're going to hold me. Well, that's only revealed in the wilderness and everyone must go through it. Abraham went through a wilderness. Moses went through the wilderness. John the Baptist went through, lived in the wilderness. You might say, well, why? Why must all men and women go through this wilderness? And it's simply this, because I believe that it's in the wilderness where the word becomes real to you. It's when you have nothing else that the only thing that you do have, you hold on to. It's in the wilderness where there's no other friends, there's no other noise, there's no other success, there's no other business, there's nothing else. It's just you and God. It's in the wilderness where the word comes alive. It's where the word will sustain you. It's where the word alone will lead you. That's a powerful one, where the word alone will lead you. Because it's easy to lead yourself when, when everything's going all right. It's easy to, to lead when you're just walking with the crowd. Where are we going, guys? We're all going this direction. Let's go. But it's when you're on your own that you say, hold on, hold on. God, what should I do? Where should I go? What's next for me? And that's why God will lead you. Come over here because I'm going to teach you some things I can't teach with everyone around. I'm going to speak to you in a way that I can't speak with everyone else around. He speaks with a still, small voice. 
Well, the noise of the crowd always drowns that out. So he'll move you to the side and begin to whisper to you. Now, this is not something you'd ever choose, but it's necessary. The wilderness is necessary. Why? Because the word becomes real and revealed to you. All right, so what happens when you're in the wilderness? What's God's purpose and plan for it? I want to read to you in Luke chapter 3. Really unique set of verses. The Bible says this. In the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, Pontius Pilate, being governor of Judea, and Herod, being tetrarch of Galilee, and his brother Philip, tetrarch of the region of Ituria and Trachonitis, and Licinius, tetrarch of Abilene, during the high priesthood of Annas and Caiaphas, what's the Bible say? The word came to John the son of Zechariah, in the wilderness. I, I put this word bypasses here because, look, it bypasses all those other people that I just mentioned. It, it bypasses Pontius Pilate. It doesn't go to Herod. It doesn't go to Philip. It doesn't go to the high priests. I mean, like, just like it bypassed Eli and went to Samuel, the word goes to the one that's open and listening. Speak, Lord. And, and, and what's so powerful about this is that God isn't looking for the powerful to speak to. The word doesn't come to the people who are in charge. You would think, well, they should get the word. You're in charge. Get saved. Figure this thing out. But God says, that's not how I work. I speak to those that are in the wilderness. The word doesn't come many times to the White Houses and to the palaces it doesn't come many times to the governors and the high priests. It comes to those who are humble, quiet, and in the wilderness. God looks down and he says, who needs me? Who's waiting for me? Who's listening for me? And it's almost like the word, I just almost like see it visually. The word comes in down from heaven and, and it looks like it's going to hit Jerusalem, but it keeps going. And it moves past the temple, past the priesthood, past the important people, past the positions, past those that are well-dressed with all of their gleaming, glittering thing, the, the Pharisees that put the weight on people. It goes past all of them. And there's nothing wrong with position, but it's amazing how many times comfort, position, influence makes you deaf to the things of God. Who does the word come to? The man in the wilderness. The man that's alone, the man that's desperate, the word comes to the one that's waiting for the word. And that's what I would encourage you to not fight the wilderness, because if you just wait long enough, the word always comes. It always comes. You might not know why you're in this or what's happening, but hear me, when you get in a difficulty and you realize, oh, this is a, this is a wilderness season, don't pray to get out of it. Pray that the word comes to you in the middle of it. Lord, reveal what's happening to me. Lord, reveal what I should be praying. Lord, give me a revelation. Lord, show me yourself. I mean, Moses saw Jesus, as Moses saw God in the wilderness. Elijah heard the voice at Sinai. The burning bush was in the middle of nowhere. How many times has God had to show us the pattern? It's when you're at your worst with no one else around that I'll show you who I really am. Bypasses all the men of the state and comes to the humble man. And that's what the wilderness does. It humbles you. It's like, right, like you know, you know what everyone's doing wrong and what everyone else should do all the time. 
I know what they're doing. You know what they should have, they shouldn't have said that. They shouldn't be with them. They shouldn't go there. What are they thinking? And then when you, when you find yourself in some difficulty, you have no idea what to do. You know, like, oh man, I'm, I'm confused. I'm, I'm hurting. I'm, I'm frustrated. How do, what do I do? How do I deal with this? Does anyone have an opinion? It's like, hey, what happened? You knew everything, but now you're in the wilderness and you don't know anything and you're looking for some help. Like the wilderness humbles you, Right? When God gets you alone, away from everyone else, and you're going through your own trials and tribulation tests, you realize, maybe I don't have it all together. Maybe I, I mean, I, you want to, God wants to kick the know-it-all nature out of you. He'll bring you in the wilderness. You know, I remember when I was a youth pastor, I went to a leadership thing and they had me do this like leadership summit. I was speaking to all these other youth pastors and I was just telling them what to do. Like, you're doing this wrong. You're doing that wrong. You need to be doing this. Pray more. And I'm just like, I'm hitting them. And I thought, I thought the meeting went well, you know? I thought, you know, they're all there, like, drinking from a fire hose. And, and I, I, you know, I walked out of that service, like, killed it, killed it. And that year, uh, in between, between that, that conference and the next one, uh, I had taken over this church and had to go through some, some difficulties, of course, you know, with my father, which, you know, it's pretty amazing. I think it's this week. This week that my dad, uh, four years ago, four or five years ago, broke his neck, and it looked like it was going to be uh, a death, but it, not only is it not, it's life and it's full mobility and everything. We celebrate the miracle. Thank God. That happened in the intervening year when I moved from being a youth pastor to the senior pastor of the church. Many other things. It was difficult trials, trying to learn how to lead on, on a greater level. And I remember I went back to that conference and they had me speak on the panel with a bunch of individuals about leadership. And they would say, Jordan, what do you think about this, this, and this? They put the mic to me and I'm like, ha. Ah. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know what to do with my hands. I, I, I had no clue what to say. And I remember leaving that thing being like, what? It was like I had like supernatural stupidity. I had nothing. And I remember leaving that conference and being like, what happened to me? You know what happened? The wilderness. It humbles you. And it brings you to the reality that if not for Jesus, I got nothing. He's the only thing that can carry me through. He's the only thing that can sustain me. He's the only thing. Because, see, in the wilderness, you, 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 you lose all the non-essentials. It breaks you down just to the essentials. You're not building up a, a giant palace with lots of stuff in a wilderness. You're down to the essentials. The wilderness shifts your perspective. When you're alone and it's just you and God, you begin to know God differently. And, 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 and I even believe the wilderness teaches you to trust God on a deeper, on a different level that, that's irreplaceable. You can't get it from, from anything else. Only in the wilderness can a revelation of God come upon you that could cause you to say like John the Baptist, he must become greater and I must become less. A, a lavish life would never produce that statement. An easy life would never produce that statement. A life of influence and position, again, nothing wrong with that, but it, would, it could never produce that statement. That is a statement born of the wilderness. Lord, you increase and I decrease. Sometimes I wonder, that's, I wonder if that's why God lets us wander in the wilderness, to break off all the excess, 
all the junk. I, w- I wonder if he allows us to wander in the wilderness to get us back to being us, to get you back to you, like who you really are, who he made you to be. Think about that scene in Prince of Egypt, the greatest animated film ever made. When he's leaving Egypt and he's coming into, into, into Midian, and, and you remember that scene where, where he takes off the headdress and he takes off the gold and, and he leaves it, because in the desert, it, you, you start leaving Egypt behind. In the desert, you start pulling off the excess. This is not helping me survive. This is not helping me be me. And you begin to move closer towards God. I think sometimes God lets you go through the wilderness so that all the fluff and all the stuff and all the projecting and presentation, it's too difficult to do all that. I'm desperate. I need you, God. I need a word from God. I need a revelation of God. I need you, Jesus, because you're the only one that can make sense of all of this. You must become greater. I must become less. That's the revelation of the wilderness. God breaks you down by humility so that he can begin to restore you, because that's his goal. And I think God does some of his greatest work, certainly his most personal work, most intimate work when you're alone in the wilderness. I've been watching these videos on YouTube of watch repairing. The the algorithm got me. I don't know how. They're like 50-minute long videos. (laughs) And I watch all of them. I I don't know what's happening. And these guys, they take these beautiful Rolexes and stunning watches that are broken. And, and some of them have been submerged under salt water and it got in the, the gears and started corroding things within. Or some just had years of abuse and neglect and, and, and eventually the, the watches just stopped operating, stopped working. And so they, they'll send this into this, this watch repairman, this watchmaker, and he'll put it, he'll, 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 he'll set it up on and, and kind of get it alone and place it on this kind of workbench. And little by little, he'll start to deconstruct um, these watches. And, and, and he takes the dials off and the springs and the wheels, and he starts laying it out. And it's amazing to see some of these watches have like 50 different pieces all in there, very microscopic and just the design. It's astonishing. It's amazing. And then, and then what he'll do is he'll find the cause of why the watch isn't working. And sometimes the watch looks perfectly fine on the outside but there's a cog that's broken on the inside. There's something that's not turning over. Or a screw got caught. And so he has to go in deep with intricate, with tweezers and pull these tiny microscopic screws out and place them. And pretty soon he has got all these parts laid out. He washes them all and he puts oil in all of the little parts and, and slowly begins to reassemble this thing. And when he's done, I mean, whether this thing's been buried or whether it's been in the ocean for 30 years, when he's done, These things look absolutely astonishing. They are beautiful. They operate. They work. They keep time tested along the way. Amazing. And, you know, I think that's what God does for us. He takes us into the wilderness repair shop. The tagline of this shop is, it's going to get worse before it gets better. (laughs) And maybe, maybe you don't even look all that broken. Maybe on the outside you look fine. But there's something that used to tick that's not ticking anymore. There used to be a passion that's not there anymore. There used to be a drive that's not there anymore. Or maybe you've suffered 
from neglect. Maybe you've been abused. Maybe it's very clear what broke you. Maybe there's something that got in that shouldn't have ever gotten in and it's corrupted or corroded your heart, corroded your emotions, corroded your sensitivity. And only the divine watchmaker can begin to repair the very intricate, intimate things. I think a counselor can help, and you should. I think the altar can help, and it should. But there's just something about the wilderness and the hand of God that begins to get very, very deep in your life, that begins to wash these elements that no one else even knew needed wash. He begins to apply the oil of the Holy Spirit on areas of your life. It's why I love worship. It's why I love the altar. It's why I love presence night. Because during presence night, God opens you back up and he says, you need a little bit of oil here in the area of anger. Let me just put a little dab of oil. And he does this in over 20 years of doing this. You move from glory to glory, strength to strength. And you're not perfect, but you're definitely not how he found you. All of a sudden now, your life is starting to work together. The cogs are starting to connect. You're no longer reacting out of emotion. You're certainly not all all corroded up in sin and flesh. All of a sudden, there's movement happening again, and he's restoring your beauty to exactly how you were when he first made you. God wants to restore your innocence. And where does he do it? He does it in the wilderness. It's where he does his most specific work. He gets very personal in the desert. And what you learn in the wilderness can't be learned any other way. I wish there was another way, but there's just something about the wilderness that brings weight to your life. There's just something about the desert that brings depth to your words. Isn't it true? You would never, ever choose to go through that difficulty. You would never choose to go through the valley of the shadow of death. If you're going on a tour, you say mountaintop, you say Rome, you say Paris, you don't say valley of the shadow of death. No one would ever choose to go through that difficulty, but it's in the difficulty that God builds the depth. And you know, no one will ever even know the specifics of what you went through, because you can't even ever describe it. But people can sense the authority you've gotten when you've walked through some things. When you pray, you don't pray theoretically. You pray in reality. When you, when you speak, you don't speak with ideas. You speak with wisdom. When you lead, you don't lead like a blind guide. You lead like someone that has kind of walked this path before. And you're able to tell with authority, hey, listen, I know it feels like this wilderness will never end, but I'm telling you, we're going to come out on the other side. Come on, stick with me. Stick with God. Here's a verse to sustain you in it. And you say, how do you learn these things? Sometimes I'll speak to people that have gone through real tragic events and to hear their revelation of God awes me. And I've heard some of the greatest preachers who have ever grabbed a microphone, but the greatest revelations of God I've ever heard aren't on stages. They're off stage. They're at altars. They're when people talk to me about what God showed them in hospital rooms. The greatest revelations I've ever heard is what God showed people at funerals or what God showed people in sickness. And and it's shocking to say, "How, how do you know that God? Well, I walked through the wilderness and he was the only thing I had. So I held on to his word and he showed me who he was. You want to say, Lord, let me know you like that. 
God says, I can do it, but it's going to be a process. So I guess the question I have for you today is, will you allow the Lord to lead you into the wilderness? Or will you fight him every step? Because either way, you're going to have to go through it. But if you allow the Lord to lead you, even in the mystery of it, if you say, Lord, I don't know what's happening, but I trust you, it will not be wasted. It will be purposeful. And God will plant some deep things in you that will grow. The truth is God will sustain you in the wilderness. This is the goodness of God. He will sustain you in the wilderness. Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. And when he got there, he was tempted by the enemy. Do you remember the three temptations of Christ? The first one, and the one we're going to focus on today, is when he was tempted to turn these stones into bread. Well, why is that a temptation? Because Jesus was fasting 40 days. Sometimes I fast one day and I, I would turn stones into bread. <laughs> and what, what was that temptation? Well, it was the temptation to choose ease. It was the temptation to choose comfort. It was the temptation to cut the wilderness short. To take the easy way out. But if Jesus did do that, he would have been denying who he is. And he would have been denying what God had him to do. Because if you think about it, the bread, right? Bread in the desert, well, what does that remind us of? Well, that's manna. Manna is what God sent in the desert. God sent it. And then you remember what Jesus came and he said to us, to his people, he says, I am the bread that comes down from heaven. And so what the enemy was saying essentially was, no, no, you don't be the bread. Get the bread for yourself. You know? And Jesus was saying, no, no, I'm going to pay the price. I'm going to walk through this wilderness because I've got, I've got something to give others. I'm so thankful that he didn't stop short in the wilderness, but because he didn't turn those stones into bread, he gets to be our bread. He gets to be our nourishment, our strength, our life, because he didn't choose the easy way out of the wilderness, but he submitted himself in reverence to the will of the Father. He chose instead to deny himself, to take up his cross. And, and what's so powerful about this is that, that God reveals the thing that will sustain you in the wilderness. And it's not, you know, it's not comfort. It's not ease. It's not the physical things. Because I think sometimes when we go through difficulty, we think it's the physical things when we're in the wilderness, the physical things. I just need to eat. You know, I just need a good night's sleep. You know, I just need my finances. I just need a promotion. But, you know, physical things can never lead you out of a wilderness. Well, let me say a spiritual wilderness. And they certainly will never sustain you in the wilderness. I don't know how many celebrities we need to hear come out and say, let me tell you, money has never solved one thing. Let me tell you, influence has never solved one thing. What are they saying? What are they saying? They're saying there's those things... They don't get you through the wilderness. They don't sustain. Well, then what does? What will sustain us? Well, Jesus gives us the answer. He answers, he says, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. What sustains you in the wilderness? It's the word of God. That's what will get you through. That's what will reveal who God is. That will give you nourishment, strength, perseverance. You have to know what is written. 
I'm so thankful that Jesus didn't react out of his wants, but reacted out of his word. And he shows us, this is how I want you to live. You don't react out of your wants. You live by the word. The word will lead you. The word will nourish you. The word will be enough. It will be enough for you. Do you know what is written? See, that's the key. Jesus could quote to the devil, this is what's written. This is how I... This is how I sustain God, myself in God's will, even through this difficulty, even through this trial, even through this temptation. I know what is written. Here's my question. Do you know what is written? Because the word will sustain you, but you got to know the word. You got to know the word. I, I say this because many times people will ask me to pray for them, and I, I will always pray for you. And, and I love praying for people. And every Sunday we open the altar. I'm here our prayer leaders are here, and we want to pray. But you know what you get to partner with prayer? The Word. The promises. So many people will come to me and say, Pastor, will you pray for me for? Just fill in the blank. Pray for me for anxiety, or pray for me for healing, or pray for me for fear. Pray for me for grief. Lord, will you... Uh, uh, not Lord. <laughs> That's blasphemy. <laughs> Pastor, will you pray to the Lord for me? Good doctrine. And I will. I will, and I'll pray. But do you know, I think sometimes we're praying for an answer when he's already answered. We're praying for a word when he's already given the word. If you knew what was written, you might already have the answer. Jesus has spoken on anxiety. Go read it, eat it, eat it, eat it, eat it till it's enough. It's found in the Sermon on the Mount. He's already spoken on fear. Paul's talked to Timothy about it in the spirits of fear. He's already spoken about grief. I mean, David wrote the Psalms about it. What am I saying? I'm saying that even in the wilderness, there's a word to sustain you. But you have to know what is written. And I don't say this to shame you. I say this to let you know there's something right there, the bread that you really need. You know, God came to Ezekiel one time and he said to Ezekiel, I want you to eat this scroll. Take the word, ingest it, get it in you. I mean, I think that's powerful because we, we eat a lot of weird words. We ingest words from everybody. <laughs> Some of you, every night you get your, your TV tray and you get your TV dinner and you're eating the words. Fox News and CNN, and you're eating in chaos and fear and way worse stuff than that. And you can't figure out why am I so agitated? I think you might be eating the wrong words. I think you need to find what is written. Remember Job? He's going through extreme trial and difficulty, and, and his friends come to him and they say, Job, you did something wrong, bro. With friends like these. This is on you, dude. And they say, you know what? End it. Take the easy way out. Curse God and die. Even his wife gets in on the action. She says, you, my friend, have screwed this up. End it. Curse God and die. If Job was eating of the words of his friends, even his spouse, he would have made a major mistake. He would have died in the wilderness. He would have died in the wilderness. But instead, he held on to a greater word. 
He held on to a greater promise. He knew his God. He knew his word. God restored tenfold. I'm telling you, when you're in the wilderness, the thing that will sustain you is the word. Because you're going to go through difficulties, trials, temptations, tribulations, and you got to know where to search. You know, and you know what I love about the Bible is, is, you know, even if you don't know like what you're looking for, if you just go through the New Testament, it gives you titles with all of the themes. It won't take you too long to find what you're struggling with right at the theme and then read that chapter and eat it, ingest it. And if you say, well, you know, I, you know, I just don't know where to start. I don't know. Well, let me give you another thing. Google. <laughs> what does Jesus say about anxiety? And let me tell you, it's like, it's like Panera bread. It's just, it, it's right there. Here you go. Brr, 15 verses. I mean, stay away from the weirdo blogs, but, but other than that, here you go. And I'm telling you, when you begin to read it and you begin to believe and you begin to repeat and you begin to memorize and you begin to quote, God begins to sustain, strengthen. He begins to give you the ability to persevere. So I, I'm amazed at how many times my wife gets an answer to what we were talking about and thinking about and worried about in her devotionals. When I get, when I'm in my devotionals, I get like, I never get like personal stuff. I'm always getting like remnant and like church, but it's like God speaks to my wife for us, you know? And it's cool. It's awesome. Like we'll, we'll be talking about something in the car, like on a, on a Thursday night and Friday morning, she'll send me a text from the book of Philippians, underlined, hearted, so good. The coffee's in the background. <laughs> but when I read it, it's like God heard the conversation in the car. And he says, yeah, that's, that is the wilderness. Let me go get him some bread. And it's almost like God gets to his writing desk and he says, dear Jordan and Samantha. And he writes Philippians and he puts it in, gives it an angel. Will you overnight that for me? Sure. Right there in the morning. Samantha opens the Amazon package and she reads. <laughs> and it's like, was this written last night? Because this is fresh. You might call it living, active, sharper than any sword. This is the word of God. And his word brings God's perspective. And his word brings God's provision. So I, I, I'm not here to shame you into reading the word. I'm here to share with you this secret of how to survive the wilderness. It is written. Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word. Little word, little strength. Little bread, little strength. Much word, much strength. And I believe that it is the word that will sustain you in the wilderness. Jesus is the word that will come to you, sustain you in the wilderness. Sometimes I wonder if that's why God will allow you to walk into the wilderness so that he can come al alongside you and cause you to rely on only him. And my hope is that when you're in those moments, you get a perspective shift. If you're wondering why you're wandering in the wilderness, let it be known that God is walking some things out of you and working some things in you 
and the word will sustain you. Turn to the word of God. Become word reliant, not world reliant, and see what God will do in your life. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Awakening Podcast. We hope this message has encouraged you. If you want to learn more about our church, visit us online at awakening.global. We'll see you soon.